from the National Catholic Register. This is Register Radio, bringing light and clarity to the news and topics that affect your life. The month of May, with its celebration of mothers, can leave some women feeling quite desolate. Today, we talk to women who have experienced the pain of infertility and who have leaned into their suffering through God's help to yield beautiful witnesses of adoption and spiritual motherhood. We talk to two women who are writers and advocates, Lee Sneed and Mary Bruno. I'm Jeanette DeMello, Executive Director of the National Catholic Register and your host of Register Radio. I'm joined by my co-host, Matthew Bunsen, Executive Editor for EWTN News, and of course my co-host. Hi, Matthew. Great to be with you. Matthew, I'm glad you're with us. It's going to be a women-heavy show, <laughs> so we'll need um, your, your masculine input and, uh, and your questions. So be ready <laughs> to Absolutely. add some balance. <laughs> so as I said, Mother's Day can really be hard on some women, and I've, I've seen this um, with friends and neighbors and, and people in my community who have you know, just experienced um, a deep pain, it seems, at, at every year around this time, uh, either mothers who've lost children uh, or those who have been unable to conceive a child. Um, it's just, there's a sadness. Uh, and I think we have to recognize that pain. Um, and I, I am, have become aware of some women, like our guest today, um, who have used their experience um, to make others aware and also to support other women. They've been speaking out. Uh, so Lee Sneed is one of these women. Uh, she's a fellow for the Catholic Association. She's a, a writer, uh, an editor, a speaker, and, and she is now the mother of four adoptive children. Um, she has written for the National Catholic Register a blog recently called Carrying the Cross of Infertility, an Open Letter. Lee, thank you for being with us today. It was my pleasure. Thank you for having me. So... Lee, uh, you have written this very, very beautiful letter. Um, it was during um, Awareness uh, Week, uh, Infertility Awareness Week, a few weeks ago. Uh, and in that, you share your own story. As I mentioned, you, you have adopted children, so uh, you are a mother. Um, and, and yet you have experience, and you write in this letter, the cross of infertility. You, that's how you called it. And it's something that you still experience the pain of. Can you share a bit of that story with us here? Absolutely. You know, it, I think it became clear just when I knew that the Infertility Awareness Week was coming. And we, uh, our eldest is a senior. He's 18, so he's about to graduate and go on to college. So lots of different things are happening. And it sort of just dawned on me that we had been, it'll be our 25th wedding anniversary in the fall. Um, and just sort of thinking about like, wow, we've been doing this for a really long time. We also just added our fourth to our family last year. So we have an 18-year-old, two 12-year-old twins, and a one-year-old. Wow. Um, yes, <laughs> a lot of different needs. Um, so I think it was really on my mind that I just wanted to share with women, because people do, you know, a lot of times I'll get an email or a text or something, you know, so-and-so said you might be a good person to talk to about this. Mm -hmm. um, and I realized how valuable I think that, you know, because a lot of 
a lot of those women now who maybe reached out to me 10 years ago have, you know, either persevered and had a successful, you know, time, say, like with a napro doctor, or, you know, they've come to terms with the fact that their spiritual motherhood is for them, or, you know, they've since adopted several children themselves. And I just, I'm normally a private person, um, but I just thought it was time to sort of gather it all up and share the story and also just see that it's not, you don't, you're not limited by time. There's no need to panic. You know, we've been doing this, you know, for, for 20 years and, you know, here we are with a new baby still. Um, and I just, I wanted to, you know, not, you know, saying that this is, this fixes anything, but that there are different ways to get there. And just because you have setback after setback after setback doesn't mean that it's not, that, you know, you're not going to be able to find fulfillment in your vocation. Yeah, Lee, one of the things that uh, jumps out about this beautiful and frankly moving testimony of yours is how involved your husband was uh, from the very beginning of this arduous process. And I'd love to hear a bit more about how the two of you worked your way through this, because I think that's lost on a lot of couples. I think it is too, and I think it can be a very stressful time. You always hear the things about like a family member dying, moving or changing jobs as some of the high stress events that can happen over the course of a lifetime. But dealing with any kind of fertility issue has got to be up there too. And I think so much of it does fall to the woman naturally that just the way, you know, just physiologically, that it could be easy for, you know, husbands to check out or for, you know, the wife just to sort of go about her business and not share that. Um, My husband is, I mean, the way he was involved with that process is also the way he parents. Um, You know, I think we started, you know, we met when we were really young in college. And so there's a certain aspect where we grew up together. Mm-hmm. I think that closeness really helped. Um, but he actually, um, this was, there were too many details to put in that blog post, um, but he was actually working, he was the general counsel for President Bush's general uh, uh, counsel on bioethics, mm-hmm. um, led by Leon Cass. And he was actually working on the uh, report the council report called Reproduction and Responsibility, um, sort of the when we first were sort of getting into, you know, this sort of active trying to conceive. And so basically we spent a year learning about every single thing that could go wrong. Um, so I think that really, that helped him also be involved. Um, and, you know, I was in graduate school. I was around a lot of unmarried men, actually. I think, which happens in philosophy departments. Um, but, you know, he was, he, Carter was already done with law school and he was working. And so he knew, you know, grownups, um, he knew people who had been through adoption. And so the information sort of was more readily available to him anecdotally. Um, and I think also he just didn't, he, you know, he's, he's a real partner in everything we do. And he just didn't want me to have to carry the load, um, you know, because obviously it's, it's taxing on a woman when, you know, she's the one that, you know, would be pregnant. Um, you do you do write about a time when he took you by the hand and led you out in a in a really mm-hmm. protect, protective way, um, and that was when um, a doctor kind of thrown nearly pushed you into um, IVF in vitro uh, fertilization. You know um, the, the different uh, medical interventions that can be done um, un, kind of unnaturally um, mm-hmm. um, for a woman to conceive. And, and so 
I, I thought, wow, that's obviously your husband is knowledgeable in that area as, a, as you know, his, his um, experience and knowledge in bioethics. But, but what a beautiful way, <laughs> you know, for a, mother, uh, for, for a husband to protect, right, um, at, at that yeah, moment. Yeah, absolutely. How did you go about that decision? I mean, that's not just a theoretical decision at that point, right? It's not something you study and just know. It's, it's deeply present and real, uh, the decision yeah. not to use IVF. Yes, because, I mean, the devil is there with you in the room saying, just do it, just do it, just do it. You know, it'll be easy. You never have to think about it again. I mean, the temptation is real. And I understand why people go ahead and say yes, people who even believe in the teachings of the church when it comes to that kind of thing. Um, because, I mean, that you go into these offices and there's just walls full of pictures of babies and pregnant women beaming and all these things. And, you know, there's a doctor saying, hey, this can all be yours. You know, it's uh, it's really tough. And you have to, I, before you go in, you have to decide. You know, you have to decide. You have to be a united front. And I think part of the walking out was the protection. And also part of it was, why do we need to, have this temptation in our face anymore. You know, this isn't, this isn't, you know, you don't, you know, put the candy and, you know, like on your night table when you're trying to, you know, slim down or something. It's, right, a, you right. know, it's, it's just right there and it's so tempting. And, um, especially when sort of you think like no one ever has to know, you know, all those things that can lead us to, you know, sinful acts. Um, and actually it's funny that you bring that up because just this, uh, Mother's Day and I was thinking and, you know, it's my last one with, you know, all four of my boys under one roof before yeah. my eldest leaves for college. And it reminded me that actually that, that incident, that walking out of that office that day was right around mother's day. And when we, um, adopted our son and counted back, we realized that the day we walked out was probably right around the time he was conceived. Wow. Which was, <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> yes. And it was, you know, sort of like, I was like, you know, I spent Mother's Day with my own mother that year. It was, you know, I love her and it was great, but it was definitely, there was a, it was a very bitter pill that year because we'd been so disappointed by this doctor and just, you know, your feelings are hurt. You feel raw. You, you know, you just feel desperate and, and you, and you just, you don't know, you don't know that in nine months, you know, this little baby that might already be out there is going to be in your arms. And it's just, it's just, yeah, it's a little miracle. Right. Now you eventually chose to adopt. You, you did, um, uh, the natural means, every natural means, um, uh, mm -hmm. uh, natural family planning and NAPRO technology. And we won't go into that here. I mean, we can, um, our, our listeners can find that information elsewhere, but it, eventually you chose to adopt. That can be a, a pretty long and arduous process. Um, how was that process for you? You know, it's actually the one thing I actually feel a little bit guilty about sharing because we didn't have to wait very long. Um, it was about six weeks between our first wow. meeting with our agency and bringing home our first son. And then when we adopted again with the twins, it was a between completing the paperwork and them being born, it was about 48 hours. Wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, we're still probably not quite recovered from that. Um, Openness to life. <laughs> that's exactly. It, you know. <laughs> that's what we call it. Exactly. And in fact, we also like sometimes, you know, every once in a while, you know, you get a phone call because somebody, somebody, somebody knows of a crisis pregnancy and they've called it, we always call them maybe babies. And we always call it just saying yes, even if it wasn't the right time, whatever that was our sort of infertiles, 
open to life. <laughs> you know, Absolutely. that was our version of it. Just and saying yes when a call would come. And, you know, they, they, if every maybe baby had worked out, we'd have like 27 kids. Um, right. But the, uh, yeah. And this last baby was about eight months wait, which again is really short compared to some of the timetables. Um, so, so I do hate to give false hope, but I, right. it can happen. Lee, you wrote something in that blog. I'm going to read it. It can be easy to think that the cure for infertility is a baby. Um, at, and, and you have shared, you've got four beautiful children, um, and yet, you know, that infertility, the fact that you couldn't bear a child in your own womb, uh, has stuck with you, even though the feelings may have faded some. What message do you give to other women who are bearing that cross of infertility uh, today and still feel that pain? Oh, well, it's so hard because when you're in the middle of it, any sort of wisdom uh, just kind of rolls off, uh, you know, you're hurt and you're closed. And, um, but there is something, I mean, there's something that's comforting in the fact that it's perfectly normal to get pregnant and <laughs> there, but there's something un, you know, unusual about not conceiving that I think there's a certain, I don't know. I think you can kind of think of it as, as a special blessing if you can, that maybe doesn't come until 20 years later where I am now. Uh, but the, um, you know, there's the, there's the gifts that come with it are, I think, you know, something that, you know, people who do conceive easily and naturally don't get to experience. Um, but just, I mean, just like everything in life, it's, and you're, and you're no less of a woman, you know, your husband's no less of a man. It's just part of, you know, everyone's, everyone's got their cross to carry and yours is, you know, more ongoing and maybe even more visible than uh, many of them. You know, Jesus loves you and you're enough. Absolutely. I think everybody's got the, got a journey and they've got a path that they are um, that they are on with the Lord and to cling to him seems to me to be the biggest message and and uh, and he will reveal his plan and and his plan of motherhood uh, even for those who um, may be infertile. Uh, Lee, I am so grateful that you have shared such a sensitive sh story with us here on radio, but also at ncregister.com. And I, I, I encourage our listeners to go to ncregister.com and look for the blog, Carrying the Cross of Infertility, an Open Letter. Thank you, Lee. I, it was a pleasure to be on today. When we come back, we'll talk to Mary Bruno, who has written the book 12 Stripes Deep about her journey of infertility. This is Register Radio on EWTN. Stay tuned for more. If you need your news on the go, read the Register online. But if you want to take your time and savor the stories, then subscribe to the National Catholic Register's print edition. And with award-winning Catholic journalism that goes beyond what you'll find from any secular news service, you'll get the real story behind the events that unfold over the course of the year. Try the Register for free today and get it delivered to your home, office, or parish. Join the Catholics who depend on the Register for its faithful and courageous reporting. Get six issues free today online at ncregister.com forward slash radio or call 800-421-3230 and mention code radio. That's ncregister.com forward slash radio or call 800-421-3230 
and mention code RADIO. The National Catholic Register. Read faithfully. Let's return to Register Radio on EWTN. Welcome back. I'm Jeanette Mello, Executive Director of the National Catholic Register, and we've been having a conversation about motherhood and infertility. And our last guest spoke about the cross of infertility and how it still can cause pain even if the woman, uh, if the couple has adopted children. It's a, a cross made fruitful through unity with Christ's own suffering and, and resurrection and his constant help, of course. Our next guest can testify to this same truth. Mary Bruno is the co-founder and executive director of the nonprofit FAMBASE, a fertility awareness database and resource center online. She is from the New Orleans area and lives in Mandeville, Louisiana, just like me, uh, with her husband and her daughter. Mary is the author of the book, 12 Stripes Deep, How Infertility and Other Suffering Delivered My Greatest Joy. And she can be found engaging uh, women, especially uh, on Instagram at White Lotus Blooming, where she advocates for authentic women's health. Mary, welcome to Register Radio. Uh, thank you so much for having me. So Mary may slip up and call me Jenny uh, because we've <laughs> known each other <laughs> for a long time. Um, our families have known each other. We are now part of the same parish and school community, um, our, our um our families are just interconnected, but uh, I did not know you. I, I don't know you as well as I thought. But I, after reading your book, I, I'm like, wow, um, you really laid your heart bare, Mary, in that book with sometimes all the raw feelings and in, in, in sometimes intimate details that I think is mm -hmm. an important, um, it gives an important picture of your experience. And I'm sure many others have had similar experiences. Can you give me now just a kind of the big picture of your story and share it with me and of course our audience. Yeah. So when I was younger, like most young girls, uh, especially Catholics, I grew up wanting to have a family and have children, like get, get married and have children. Uh, when I was a teenager, I also starting, started to have some severe cramping. So, so severe physical pain. So I, um, eventually when I got married, I ended up becoming infertile. So I kind of had two parallel stories running here where I had a lot of physical pain, which ended up being the cause or part of the cause of my infertility. And this was something that just really shocked me, really blindsided me because like, like I said, as most Catholic women, we just kind of assume we're going to have children. And when that didn't happen, um, I sank into despair. Uh, but it was ironically that journey of, uh, of trying to kind of figure out how I can become fertile or fruitful that I learned so much in those darkest days. And so, um, yeah, and it's also a journey of women's health as well. But I learned so much, and that's what ended up, you know, c coming into to writing the book. That's right. I mean, you you really you write about your um, your experience, your physical experience, um, at twelve stripes deep, or or twelve yeah. surgeries. Um, yes, really that that you had um, in this journey, and it seems like. Throughout and, and you get married in the midst of this, right? Um, yes. And 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 so, you you really grew in awareness um, not only of you know how important it is for women to know 
their um, their bodies, right, and to know right. about best health care um, for women. Um, but you also grew into um, first what what seems like a spiritual mother. Um, so I there's so much to talk about. Where do we <laughs> where do we start? Um, but but first. Let's describe a little bit the journey of um, awareness of women's health, because I think that's very important. And, and you mentioned in this that even though you grew up in a Catholic community and you understood mm-hmm. church teaching, especially around morality and, and, and some bioethics, right, yeah. um, you, you were really not aware of, um, y- you know, of the problems that could happen in, in fertility. Um, what... That's part of why you wrote the book you described. Right. So what, what, ha- what did you come to know and what do you feel uh, is your message related to women's health? Yeah, it was just so shocking to me that I didn't, there was so much I didn't know about how my body works, right? And we have this church that promotes uh, more than, than secular culture, of course, NFP. But what I understood natural about NFP, family planning. Yeah, yeah. Na- natural family planning was that it was just like there's one method. When you get engaged, you take the class and you learn the system. I had no idea that there were various methods to choose from and that there was so much to learn about my physical health that I'm having these severe symptoms, this pain. I had no idea that one of these methods, which I like to refer to as fertility awareness because I think it's more encompassing, could lead to improving my, my quality of life. Mm-hmm. So there's a part of this that, you know, obviously has, has something to do with family planning, but there's a lot of it that has to do with just caring for the woman's health. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. And so that's, that was a big part of me. Like the reason it took me 12 years to be diagnosed. And I just couldn't believe that growing in, up in this Catholic culture that, you know, promotes NFP, but not this side of it, this fertility awareness side of it. And so that late diagnosis could largely like you know, led to, to, uh, um, my infertility because it took me so long to get treated. So Mary, of course, y- we haven't named what you've been dealing with yet, but yes. it's, it, it was endometriosis that, that really took your fertility as you've, as you've shared in this book. And, and you really do a lot in this book. I encourage people, um, to pick this, this up 12 stripes deep. Um, it's, it, it shares a lot about your journey into health um, but, but so much more than that. And I, I do want to uh, turn to another aspect that you write about um, that I think so many women, even women who have born their own children um, and, and, and those that aren't married yet, um, need to know about, and that is spiritual motherhood. You describe, again, the Catholic community that, that both you and I grew up with. And we, you, your mom, uh, what, three, you have three in your family. I had yes. seven in mine. Um, we, we grew up with a lot of big Catholic families, and most of the time the mother stayed home. Um, even if she had a career, she, she left that and stayed home with the kids, and it was um, a stereotypical big Catholic family scene. Um, and you describe in your book how you had to kind of learn another understanding of motherhood, um, and I would love to hear more about that experience. Yes. So like, I think we all hear the term spiritual motherhood and it's just like, oh, you know, that thing, that thing we all kind of have, but it's not very important. Like that was kind of my perception of it. But as I labored to like, you know, in, in every sense of the word, physically, emotionally, spiritually to conceive a child, 
Um, and like the absence of that there, I just knew there was so much more like God is calling me to, to purpose, to be fruitful, to actually be fertile, but in many different ways. And I, I joke that it's actually infertility that helped me to learn how fertile I actually yes. am because to be, to become a mother, like to mother is to nurture, to comfort, to discipline, to listen. We know just as women, as God has created us male and female, as female, we have these very unique qualities, whether we have children or not. And our motherhood is not activated with pregnancy. And it was just kind of this awakening in me to realize my goodness, how, how fruitful and how my motherhood was in such abundance without ever having been pregnant. You mentioned we have a daughter. Um, she, we adopted her on the day she was born. Such a blessing. Um, I mean, one of the many gifts that we have through infertility, but also all the other like talents that I have, all of those things that I kind of, the way I describe it in the book is just getting dusty on the shelf because I got so distracted trying to conceive, um, a child that I didn't realize all the other ways in which God was bringing forth new life from me and my husband already. And so, yes, of course, like the pain of never being able to have a child, like that's always going to be there. But I found such joy and healing from this other piece of it because I, I know how much I can already be fruitful. And I actually didn't even plan on writing the book. <laughs> like this was just something as I, as I, I needed a medical hysterectomy and I, something I feared all my life. Um, and it was as that surgery was approaching all this hard work that I had I'd kind of done, I, I really was able to go into it with such peace that didn't make sense to me. So I was like, let me sit down and, and write how I got to this point. And that's kind of how the book came to be, because I realized like, even if you don't ever get pregnant, you can have this peace, this joy, um, just by nature of, of being a daughter of God um, that he's called us to. I'm going to repeat again. The book is Stru 12 Stripes Deep, and you can find more information about Mary and her book and other resources at fabmbase.org, fambase.org. That's a website um, for these kind of resources. Uh, very important. But Mary, I do have one last question. What are some ways that we as a community some concrete ways that, that we can support women who experience infertility? Yeah, I think the first step is being vulnerable. And I think that goes both ways. So like, it just it's just a matter of just listening and just taking a moment to sit with the suffering of others. I cannot express to you how far that goes. Just being willing to listen and to sit with our loved ones, no matter what they're suffering with, and learn a little bit more about it. Mary, I am so grateful for your book, um, for you sharing your heart, for you discovering your fruitfulness because many women are benefit benefiting from it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Remember, for more news, analysis, and commentary, check out the National Catholic Register online at ncregister.com. Thanks for joining us on Register Radio here on EWTN. For Matthew Bunsen and our producer, Jeff Burson, I'm Jeanette DeMello. And until next week... May God bless you. For more information about the National Catholic Register and about Register Radio, go to ncregister.com. Podcasts of Register Radio are posted on ncregister.com and on ewtn.com. Join us next week at this time for Register Radio on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.